What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Juniors, John Morantz, Joe Johnsons, Ja Raffs, and Jimmy Butlers, of course. We've got Jays, we've got him for days. Josh, how you doing? James Harden's getting added this week, too. <laughs> yeah, you be my guest. I'm not, I won't I will not partake in that. You will not hear me. You will you will not hear me add a guy to the that is disrespectful to Jimmy Butler. That you're going to he doesn't have a semi-permanent position. This is temporary. See, I'm not sure I'm not sure James Harden two two good games from James Harden in the playoffs is going to or not, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. All in, I game, know is- in game seven, when they need James Harden to have a good game and he's three of 12, come talk to me. All I know is they would be out of this series if he didn't deliver. That's fine. I- That's fine. But in game seven, when they need him, he will not be good. That is how this is going to happen. Because that's Possibly. how it always happens. Not possibly. 100% of the time, when a team needs James, Har- James Harden in a closeout game in a playoff series, he does not show up. 100% of the time. So far. He also hasn't done this in a postseason, I would argue. We're he talking is. about two games, dude. Yeah. Well, and he was bad in the first series. So we're talking about two of eight games that he's been good. Congratulations. You make $40 million a year. Yeah, I mean, it's still. Yeah, you, you, could, say whatever, I, you could say whatever you want to. I am not hopping on the James Harden train. Not, not for not, a single not, second. You know I'm not a James Harden guy. All I know is that it, one of those two stars completely lost their confidence in the first fourth quarter and one of those stars hit the two shots to save the Sixers season potentially and make sure they didn't go down 3-1 and the first guy was in being the second guy was Harden and what he's doing with That's John funny. Howe I was just I was very but very being better than Joel Embiid in a playoff series is also not, not a very high because bar. he's horrible in the playoffs too so which and is the somehow, fundamental issue with Sixers sure sure right they haven't done this before and that's the and Doc Rivers, you could tell Doc Rivers is stressed about the fact they haven't done this before. Correct. Because <laughs> it's it's not pretty, but here they are at 2-2. I, he's delivering so far, which is all you can ask. So far, he's showing up. And yeah, he wasn't great the last two games, but but the, they needed that game and he got it for him. So I'm adding James the, Harden. And, and, and the, the, glaring, the, the, the glaring thing that no one will talk about is this: the series would also be over if the Celtics had a competent head coach. Joe Missoula is horrible, and like they should have won both of those games that they've lost this year. The series should probably be over, probably even with James Harden's performances. And it's not that James Harden doesn't get credit for the performances. I'm not going to, like like great job. I I'm just I'm just, like it's a little bit like when people are like, man, Russell Westbrook might be good for your team. It's like no, he just had a triple double in the regular season because he does that every once in a while. He's James Harden. Now, the fact that he was really good in two of four games and that's an irregularity, that's the that's the whole that's the nucleus of the issue for me. Sure. I mean, like Jason Tatum has been good in two of four games and people are blasting Jason Tatum. Right. Right. Because the Sixers haven't. Now, you could argue they were actually really close to winning a championship because of that Kawhi shot. But this iteration and and the beat in general has never made it out of the second round. Correct. If I right, so it's it's all relative, as we like to say. Yeah, James Harden is he is overachieving based on my very low expectations, and I wanted to recognize that. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Um, two two in that series, 
that uh and and like I'm not totally sure either of them are beating whichever team comes out of the other series because the other team the, the team that comes out of the other series is is a gajillion times more mentally prepared for those things than than either of these teams. It's going to be a very strange conference finals. Yeah, because yes. you don't come away and now obviously these are, you know, two of the top 3 teams record-wise. You don't come away from this series feeling good about either of them. No. No. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. So it, it'll be it'll be very interesting because whoever the heat or the Knicks, whichever one one of them both of those teams will hit the other team in the mouth like the knicks are not afraid of the celtics not even kind of and jimmy butler's not afraid of anybody no. um and the the knicks have apparently like i mean mitchell robinson if you're looking for a guy to guard joel and like mitchell robinson is probably pretty high up there on the making i mean he made evan mobley and jared allen look silly at the end of that that first round series. So um, Embiid also not exactly a mental fortress. So if he's getting just kind of rinsed in the physicality department, then, then I could also see that being an issue as well. Anyways, um, interesting playoffs for sure. Um, And, and we're, we're not done. I mean, we had, we had the the newest owner of the NBA getting an altercation (laughs) with another NBA player last night, not just any NBA player. Yeah, the the NBA, an NBA player that had fifty three and eleven in the game, fifty three and eleven, Josh. Yeah, fifty three and eleven. Yeah, him and Murray having a combined eighty two, eighty one. Now on the other side of things, Durant and Booker had seventy two, and they had like eighty four the day before, and they needed all of them. To, it's just wild playoffs. Anyways, um, in college basketball, it was an eventful week. Josh, an eventful week uh, headlined by two two highly anticipated decisions. One of them being a, a the highest ranked transfer left well in the transfer portal portal period um so by default if he hadn't transferred to a <laughs> to a school yet he was the highest rated transfer to not make a decision and hunter dickinson is going to play college basketball in the big 12 next year but before we get to that josh it feels like and and so i am in my in my alter ego as the producer of a golf podcast for cbs sports every week I'm in a meeting with the producer of the Ion College Basketball Podcast. And every week when they ask, his name is Nada, shouts to Nada. He, every week they ask him, do you have an idea when Bronny is going to commit to a college? The last three weeks it's been, it should be any day. And that's kind of how it's felt with this Bronny James thing for long, because the guy is supposed to play college basketball in the fall. And it's May 8th, and it's only been a couple days since Bronny decided where he's going to play college basketball. Of course, the I love how we, how we have to, like, we have to write that because there will be some very casual fans wondering why a four-star guard committing to USC is, is a big deal. But the oldest son of Lakers legend, LeBron, is, is that disrespectful to call him a Lakers legend? Like disrespectful to Cleveland and disrespectful to what he's done in Miami and and to the Lakers and perhaps to the Lakers just, just everybody yeah I and mean now, like by definition he's the best basketball player to ever wear a Lakers jersey but he's not the best Laker ever no 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 now I think you could also interpret that as just simply he plays for the Lakers right. a, you can't call him a 
but you're not going to call him a Cavaliers legend at this point because obviously he's still playing and he's playing. It's weird, but sure. you're absolutely right. Yes, but this is very much a. But you could use something like all-time leading yes. NBA's all-time leading yes. scorer. Right. There's a way. Yeah. LeBron has done enough things that you could find a different way to describe him. Yes, that, that just seems to be low on his list of accomplishments that he's worn yes. the Lakers jersey, <laughs> and the Lakers should feel the same way about that. Right. Uh, number 26 player in the class of 247 Sports, according to 247 Sports. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Department of Redundancy Department here on this Monday morning. He joins a class at USC that is top 30 uh, in the country for 2023, joining the number one overall player in the class of 2023, Isaiah Collier, a point guard out of Georgia. And then Arrington Page, who is a 6'9 center. Interesting. Um, that has very um I guess I guess Okongu is a little taller than that. But Okongu was kind of like that. I think he's only like 6'10, right? When he was at USC. Oh yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Maybe. I'm gonna go back and look. I don't remember what class he was in specifically, but I'm gonna find it. But uh slightly under undersized center. I'm not gonna lie and tell you that I know a ton about him right now, but joins a class that has two other top fifty guys and the number one ranked recruit at two four seven sports in the class of twenty twenty three. Josh, how am how am how do you feel about this? How am I supposed to feel about this? Because this is as I said. At the like, if you took the name off of this recruit, this is a guy who is a top 30 recruit in a class and is probably going to make a college basketball team better. But it's the name that makes this a really big deal rather than the fact that USC and maybe Bronny James is the Pac 12 player of the year and like a first team All American. Sure, that could happen. And college basketball, if there's a chance that he could be a first-team All-American at the end of the year, uh, Ronnie James is probably going to be a first-team All-American. Um, but if we took those things away, top 30 recruit, really solid get for Andy Enfield, but it's not like this is a program that never gets any top recruits. I mean, they've got the number one player in the class in 2023. So how do you feel about this? How are you kind of approaching what this means for college basketball, for USC next year, wherever you want to take it, because uh, because the, the the scale doesn't necessarily balance out between the actual impact on the Pac-12 and USC and the warranted coverage that this gets because who Bronny James is. Yeah. I'm very interested in this from a USC perspective and the attention that this puts on USC. Because like you said, the the idea of what does Bronny James mean for this college basketball season, he's going to have to be something that at this point nobody is expecting him to be for him to have a major impact on this, you know, the story of this upcoming season. However, now people are obviously going to be paying attention to this USC team. That's the part of this that I'm excited about is that the, this USC team is very interesting in a Pac-12 that has nobody that scares you at this moment in time. Now, generally, the Pac-12 doesn't have many teams that scare you, but there's not even a UCLA last year where you went, look, they have you know core pieces from a Final Four team. You got two really good players, one of the best defenders in the country, reliable point guard, 
you know, all American kind of candidates, Pac-12 player of the year guys, some big time recruits coming. Right. It was clear that that UCLA team was going to be top 15 in the country, final four candidate. Most of those, not all of those pieces, but most of those pieces are now gone. Arizona's having to retool. This is the best team in the Pac-12 on paper. So to me, and we'll get into this a little bit, there are some very interesting conversations about this from a legacy perspective for Andy Enfield and dealing with these kind of expectations that probably are going to get even exaggerated more than they should be now because of Bronny James' existence, even though my anticipation for this team doesn't even have to do that much with him. It's about the entire roster and where they fit in the Pac-12. Yeah, you know, the thing that's that's super interesting here is Bronny will be serviced the best by playing on a really good college basketball team. Mm -hmm. Bronny is not going to, at least, I would not predict Bronny to be the reason that a college basketball team is really good, like on his own, right? Not and, and this it's is not, not his game, right? So th that's my point. His yeah. he he's not he he's not a really awesome half court creator that's going to turn the other four guys on the floor into something better than they actually are. He's not a guy that's going to average twenty four in college basketball next year. What he does do is he's unselfish. He's clearly. Like he's one of those he he's one of those rare athletes where all of the attention they get kind of shows me something about who they are as j just somebody who can handle the lights and like I would never like Lamelo Ball coming out of Australia I would have never been like man he's proven that he can that he can handle the lights and not that it was the opposite necessarily but. Bronny, every indication is that he's handled the magnifying glass that comes with being LeBron James's oldest son and the first one to enter the college basketball landscape and being the kid that LeBron says, I want to play with my son on an NBA court at some point. He's handled it all just about as well as you can. And I think that kind of plays into the type of basketball player that he is. He's mm -hmm. unselfish. He's a capable defender and can get downhill is kind of scary in transition as is custom to the guy with James on the back of his Jersey. And, but those things, and he is, he's good as a catch and shoot, catch and shoot three point shooter. All of those things lend themselves to making a good college basketball team even better rather than being the reason that an otherwise okay college basketball team is is suddenly really good in the same way that you know like like Trey Young turned that Oklahoma right. team from a like fine college basketball team into a really really special college basketball team. Bronny's not that type of player and so to your point I think it's much more advantageous for him if USC is is really good next year and the guys that he's playing with are are really good whether it's the guys coming to USC with him or the guys that are already there, the better that team is, I think the 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 better position Bronny will be put in because the things that he does well typically lend themselves to elevating an already good team rather than pulling a mediocre one out of mediocrity. Yep. 
and you know they're going to be the people that are saying why isn't he scoring more and mm-hmm. we're not going to get into that conversation because we know the answer to that question mm-hmm. but from a, yeah from a Pac-12 standpoint I really do like this in terms of having this team and some excitement around somebody not named UCLA mm-hmm. both he and Isaiah Collier can play next to Boogie Ellis and the fit seems really good yeah. Right. Because neither of them are these ball dominant 30 point a game guys, like you said. Boogie Ellis is a proven scorer above everything else at the college level. So now you put these other guys who have, you know, right, court vision, passing ability, going to move the ball next to him. And I mean, maybe all three of them start. It'll be interesting to see how Andy Enfield handles all of this. I'm, I would have to assume Collier is going to start. <laughs> yeah. I would assume Bronny is not because he's not one of the best five players on this team and not the best player at his position. At least before getting on campus. Yes. Because yeah. because let's not be silly. If it's debatable who the best player at the two guard sure. position is, Bronny is going to start. Yeah. That like that's just good business. It just yeah. is. And you can and you can start all I mean, you can start all three of them. Because yeah, if you want to, yeah, sure. Coll- and that's the other nice part is that he and Collier are both relatively big for college guards. Yeah. Right, these aren't five eleven guys; they're six three. Yeah, and then you pair that backcourt trio with Vinci Uchukwu and Joshua Morgan on the interior. You've got rim protection. You've got a force to be reckoned with in Uchukwu, who obviously, you know, kind of got going at the end of last season, but didn't get the full lead up and, and a full college season. So it's going to be good to see him theoretically get a full season under his belt and maybe he mm-hmm. right he he's one of those guys that you could see as a breakout star just because he didn't have a, a full year to get ready he was obviously dealing with all of the the medical concerns and that needs to be taken care of first so mm-hmm. assuming he's healthy and ready to go i mean like i said before to me this is clearly the best team in the pac 12 that's not something we've talked about andy edfield's teams coming into a season very much Mm-hmm. And so from him too, how do you just, how do you deal with everything that's going to come with this? And the fact that, right. At least as of now, Brownie is not the centerpiece of your team. He's not even the centerpiece of your recruiting class. Mm-hmm. Which is and a good place to be because yes. Brownie is a good basketball player. Exactly. Right. Right. That's a commentary on the talent that you, this USC team has yeah. not a, not a knock on Brownie. Yeah. yeah. And how do you deal with the pressure of outside of the, media circus just the fact this team should be awfully good yeah it should be one of the best 10 to 15 teams in the country Mm. there's a lot going on here that i'm very excited to see how this all plays out i like the way that this developed and and at the same time there's this kind of underlying current of how good of a college basketball coach relative to expectations is andy enfield right and but then kind of an enigma but then also at the same time the last time he had a team that was talented enough to go to yep. the final four he ran into zion he ran into which duke team did they run into in the elite eight didn't they or was it the sweet 16 oh no you're right it was gonzaga sorry 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 yes they yes, wiped yes. the floor with that bad kansas team yeah right speaking right right and then they but there was some like evan mobley yeah. usc yeah that's who it was sorry i was it, it was some historically good college basketball team i I had Zion Williams and Duke in my head, but that wouldn't that would have been too long ago for for Evan Mobley. So I, I think you're I think you're right. I think it was the 21 tournament where 
Gonzaga just kind of made quick work of them, but there was some anticipation heading into that. I think it was an Elite Eight matchup. Yes, yeah, so I'm confirming positive. that. That's my memory is that it was the Elite Eight because they beat Kansas in the they ruled Kansas in the Sweet Sixteen. I think. Yeah, I'm checking. Stand by. I'm looking right now. They beat Kansas checking. in the they beat Kansas and then they beat Oregon and then they lost 85 66. Oh right, Kansas Gonzaga. the second round. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. because Kansas was a six seed or yeah six seed that no, year no, no, no. because or a three seed. Kansas I think it was a three six matchup. Three. It was a three six matchup. Yeah. yeah, USC was a six, so three six. Anyways, all of that to say, just the I, that's a good word for Andy Enfield. He's kind of an enigma. You're not totally sure what to think. And he's also just one of those guys that doesn't have a recruiting class like this all the time. They've always at least had from talent, a, though. but not from a. You just said that we've never talked about USC having the best team in the in the Pac-12. You just said that, right? Well, there's a difference between not being able to recruit while not having the best team, right? He's well, always- sure, but 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 this is a different. Like he's only had one high level recruit. Not not all true. that often does he have. Say that again? Mobley, Iwachukwu. Yeah, I'm just saying per team. That's not the same team. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Yes, right. He hasn't been able to put multiple. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. And the expectation is not usually. That Mobley team was not supposed to be elite. No, right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, and it wasn't, but. Yeah. I feel like they've been, you can kind of talk yourself into, they could be pretty good. And then they don't really reach that potential, but then mm-hmm. come tournament time, sometimes you like that in that mobile team in particular. It was oh, look at what you know. USC kind of has this thing figured out. Evan Mobley might be the best player in the country. Mm-hmm. You know that it's never just kind of cut and dry. If they're disappointing or they overachieve, sure. they just kind of continue to evolve over the seat. And even last year's team had a little bit of that. They should have been better than they were. It just and obviously the the Iwuchukwu, medical scare had had something to do with that but yeah it's just kind of strange i never feel like you actually know what you're going to get because when you talk yourself into they've been disappointing and maybe they're not as good as they should be they kind of prove you wrong while also not totally it's yeah this is just a different it's a different starting point i would argue they've generally been slightly disappointing but this is what the recruiting part of this gets you right is his job is not in danger because he keeps putting talented teams on the floor and they at least come close to delivering to expectations. So now that you've got this combination of returning players and this recruiting class, right, this is a different different world we're living in now. It's also helpful that while finishing top three in a conference in a in any Power 5 conference is probably a good season, but also simultaneously finishing third in the Pac-12 a lot of seasons recently is not that impressive. Right. But he keeps doing it and he keeps recruiting better than whoever the the next guy to recruit probably. Right. Um, so it's kind of like a infield's probably not perfect, but he's probably better than whatever else we would, would get at least immediately. Right. right. Cause they're what the third best program at this point in the pac 12 behind UCLA and Arizona. Yeah. Just from, a, Oregon's, from, a or from Oregon's Oregon, downs, yeah. Oregon's. I mean, right this second, I would think USC is in a better place than Oregon. I mean, Oregon right. hasn't been Oregon hasn't been good since that that, that Dylan Brooks uh, 
Dorsey team that went to the Final Four. Peyton Pritchard had a pretty. Oh, good the Pritchard team. Sorry, yeah. the Pritchard teams were good. I that I I I've misremembered about Pritchard. Yes, that is that is true. But, but the last that, couple that, of years have not been pretty. Right. That's the thing. Enfield has avoided. Right. He hasn't mm-hmm. had that catastrophic season. Right. They've just been in the ballpark of what you expect. Right. You know, third best team in the Pac-12. Get some good wins. Sometimes they have an NCAA tournament run. Now the question is, can you do more than that with this roster, the returners, another big time recruit in Collier? And the spotlight very much on you this season. Over under two and a half years, LeBron James spends in college. Under. Over under a year and a half, Bronny James spends in college. It's mm. tough, right? Very tough. Under. You think it's one? Yeah. And my, my other thought process was, I feel like LeBron has, for very understandable reasons, convinced himself he's got two really good years left. Mm. Right, so that it doesn't have to be next season. Sure. That what he can, he can wait out Bronny for a couple years. I mm. just... The reason I went I went under was somebody's going to sign him because that probably means you're getting LeBron. Mm-hmm. Or the Lakers are going to do it. To, right. It's not as much about Bronny's going to be a polished player that's going to – that execs are going to want to draft based on his evaluation coming out of the season as, well, if we take him, if he does well enough, LeBron is making – if any – I think LeBron just said something again that this is what, what he wants to do, right? He's been very open about that. So you know that there's this added benefit that comes with Bronny. So I feel like Bronny's going to be able to get there because of who he is. And if he just shows enough, somebody's going to somebody's going to give him a chance. I'm not totally sure how I feel about this. Because LeBron James, 39-year-old LeBron James, like, I don't really care if I get the 39-year-old LeBron James or not. I don't, I don't especially care. I'm certainly not wasting a first-round pick on his son if he's not a first-round pick otherwise because I get 39 post-plantier fasciitis LeBron James. But at the same time, I also see how a team, how a team would talk themselves into that. And, and right. maybe it, it depends on the situation, right? I, I mean, I guess. If you're the but it's also But it's also not like any... Like LeBron's gonna get to gonna want forty million dollars a year. There's not a good team in the NBA that like really has room for LeBron. That's already good. I mean, maybe the Kings. I mean, I guess. I also like don't want LeBron on the Kings. <laughs> right. That that's the difficult part of this is right. What is the perfect fit where this all works? Right, in because if LeBron's of, fine with going and sucking for the last two year, right. two years, then then it's easy. Somebody takes Bronny like in the top five of the second round, exactly. and they and then they say, "Hey, LeBron, come on down to Charlotte." Right, and then he and Bronny play for Charlotte for a couple of years, and then he retires. Right, but there's probably not a world in which 
LeBron can put himself in a situation where he is on a team with his son that actually has a real chance of winning a title. That's probably not going to happen. Right. Because that, to your point, and I'm with you on that, the question is, do you want to trade what you have for LeBron at this point in his career? Right. Right. Because there's the other teams that do you want LeBron? I don't care what age LeBron is. I want LeBron. Sure. Does LeBron want to go to the teams that want? Right. Exactly. There's a lot of things that have to fit and there's no obvious, okay, this team is ready to win now, Mm -hmm. has the money to do this and is willing to fit the pieces together to actually make it happen. Yeah. So here's, here's what I would tell LeBron to do. Are you ready for this? Here's what I would tell LeBron to do. LeBron has a player option for 24, 25. Okay. He's making $47 million next year, 23, 24. And he is making $50.6 million in 24 25. Okay? If he opts in? If he opts in, it's a player option. But like he sh- he's probably going to opt into the $50 million contract. But then again, he could probably sign a one year $50 million contract elsewhere. So maybe not. I would, I would tell LeBron to get surgery in the offseason and take next year off on his plantar fasciitis. You know, that injury that takes six to eight months for everybody else to come back from. But he was like, eh, I'm going to put off surgery and play in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. It's kind of ridiculous. It's kind of crazy. It's like whatever they gave Patrick Mahomes for his high ankle sprain before the play, before the Super Bowl, they, he got on the phone with Patty, Patty Mahomes and said, okay, what'd you, where'd you get it? I need it. (laughs) Um, cause there's part of me. And then you see, see, I was like, you know what? He should just take next year off. Come back completely healthy, cruise through 24 25, let his kid play a second year of college, and then sign wherever he his kid gets drafted in the 25 NBA draft. But then it had his age next to him, and in 25, he's gonna be 41 years old. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, he doesn't exactly look like Vince Carter did at 40, but at some point, right? Like at some point. Yeah. There's kind of two conversations about how long can he keep doing this? Mm -hmm. Which I would argue to our conversation about Steph last week. It doesn't look like he's at the end of the road. I mean, if you put him on a team that he doesn't have to try in the regular season or, you know, quote unquote, try. Right. right. And that was the only, that was the only like, maybe Russell Westbrook makes a little bit of sense because LeBron can just cruise while Russell Westbrook and and it didn't, it just didn't work out that way. But I mean, if you can find him a team that can get a 60, because that's the other part with the the other issue with the Lakers is the Lakers aren't good enough without LeBron to get us to get a six seed. They're just not. And like they needed. They needed a playing game this year. Right. I mean, and LeBron, when he was on the court, was really, really good in the regular season. Um, And they still needed a playing game. So if you can find him a team that doesn't need him that he, that he can play 55 games and at 24 minutes a game and then he's ready to go for the playoffs and you can still get a you know four five six seed then yeah sure i'm game for uh, for several more years but if you're in a place where he has to put a lot of effort into the regular season then then that's where it gets dicey right and he can't be the best player on your team come the playoffs. oh not anymore no right. no, no, no not that's anymore. what that's no. what's changed he can yeah. still be a huge right. He can still give you thirty-five point performances. He can st- obviously 
still be sensational. Which is why the Lakers are so up, up and down in these playoffs. Because exactly. did you see the did you see the AD stats? It'll, it yes. goes like 30, 16, 30, 14, 30, that, 12. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly that's right. exactly where I was going. Yeah, you just need to look at Anthony Davis' stats to figure out if the Warriors are winning or sorry if the Lakers are winning or losing these games against the Warriors. Yeah, it's just not it's just not complicated. Same thing with the bubble. He was phenomenal, yeah. right? You need that kind. Yeah, it, it's a very there are a lot of moving pieces here. I I'm just going to lean on LeBron has a plan. Obviously, when he signed this con, I remember now when he signed this contract, the whole thing was, oh, look, he's got this player option lined up with Brody so -hmm. that, right, he is a free agent when Brody will be eligible to enter the NBA draft. I, if I have to guess right now, I'm still saying that's what ends up happening. What that actually means and what it looks like, I got no clue. I, I think Brody will play one year in college. That's what I think. And I think he will get drafted because his last name. Is James and because you could still get LeBron with them, yeah, right, yeah. It's a little, it's like it's not the Kawhi Paul George thing, but it's in the same category as mm-hmm. the Kawhi Paul George thing. Yeah, yes, we have to pick Bronny with our thirty seventh pick, which we wouldn't do otherwise. But we also get LeBron James with the with the thirty seventh pick, and and in that, that's probably worth it. And you're probably not. I mean, most thirty seventh overall picks aren't any good, anyways. Right. And Bronny's game, I'll be interested to watch him at the college level because I would argue his game actually lends itself to the NBA really well. Sure. Right, right. Not as being in a theory. star. As, a point, right. as, like a, as like a glue point guard guy, sure. Exactly, right? A defensive sure. guy gives you a little bit of not as much size at the NBA level, but still decent size for his position. Right. They, there are a if lot of If he can things... turn himself into a playmaker in the half court this yeah. year in college, then he can – because he's absolutely big enough to be a – like oh, he's yeah. a good sized NBA yes. point guard, right? Right now, right. yeah. He's yeah, kind yeah. of in that Steph Curry. Like he probably can't be a shooting guard, but if he can turn himself into a point guard, all of a sudden he has good size for a point yes. guard, right? That there are a lot of things that he does. Right, people are going to expect him to be LeBron, and he's just not. Mm. But there are a lot of things he does well that lend itself to winning basketball. Kind of where we started this conversation mm-hmm. that can help an NBA team theoretically, and obviously he's got the athletic genes and all that kind of stuff if he can put it all together. So to me, there's there's that added benefit too of, yeah, okay, maybe you're looking at him and he's not the 37th best prospect in this draft. But I I could talk myself into this idea of, you know what, he might actually be able to make it with the people are going to want to give him a chance because he's LeBron's kid. But mm-hmm. also he's got he's got some, th- some tools in his toolbox that are going to play winning basketball. He's my type of player. I would agree. I would agree. The only thing is that the only thing that doesn't lend itself to that is the fact that he's not going to have the ball in his hands a ton in the half court at USC. So it'll be, I think it'll be a little bit difficult for him to show that a lot, even if he is capable of it. Cause right now that's the biggest like on ball creativity and playmaking for other guys. If you're going to be an NBA point guard, that's something you've got to yeah. be able to do. Even if it's just in the pick and roll, you've got to yeah. be able got to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Bronny James is a Trojan. I think if you told me two years ago that Bronny James wasn't going to play college basketball at Duke, I wouldn't have believed you. But here we are, playing at USC, and USC would certainly be high on that list with its location relative to where LeBron James currently plays basketball. Hunter Dickinson, the top-rated transfer in this year's portal, 
I love how teams are doing that now. Is on his way. Did you see the video that he made? Oh yeah. Well, we need to. Talk oh, about so the video. bad. So bad. Um, picking between the likes of Kansas, Kentucky, Villanova, uh, near where he played high school basketball, Dematha in the DMV, DMV area, Maryland and Georgetown also on the list of his programs. But Hunter Dickinson is going to go play college basketball in Lawrence at Fog Allen for bill self and kansas launching themselves into the very upper echelon of college basketball next season securing hunter dickinson next year what say you what say you his numbers are gonna be stupid (laughs) is he the best is he the best big to ever wear a kansas uniform I'm not going that far yet. So who are the other who are the other candidates? How far back are we going? I don't care. Because you know there's I mean, you, Chamberlain. You've got some. You've got some. <laughs> so so let's go. Let's go in the Bill, Bill self, self era. era. Okay. Yeah. Because yes. I wasn't really thinking it. I, right. like, I, I I didn't think you were. That's why I asked. Yeah. But I mean, we're thinking. So that- we're talking Nick Collison. We're talking Cole Aldrich. We're talking Cole Aldrich. We're talking Yudoka Azubuki. We're talking. I feel like I'm missing one. Thomas Robinson. Sure. Good shout. It's a good shout there. We're talking. Perry Ellis. Stop it. Do you know Perry Ellis is still playing college basketball? <laughs> um, those are probably the candidates, right? How long has Bill Self been the coach? Oh four. Look at that. Oh four. Nice. Way nice. to go, kid. Let's see. Yeah, nothing nothing exactly catching my eye there in there in his inaugural season. Yeah, I'm bored by that roster. Okay. Brandon Rush, Mario Chalmers. What a shout. No, not the point for this conversation, but good those are good basketball players. Yeah. Sharon Sher- Collins. Oh my gosh. Brandon Rush, Ron Collins, Mario Chalmers, all on the same basketball team. I'm in. In a related issue, they won the national championship that year. That was a lie. They won the national championship the next year with Sharon Collins, Brandon Rush, and Mario Chalmers. Yeah. yeah, Cole Aldrich. Yeah, he might be. In terms of a single, right? In terms of a single season most talented offensive player. Yeah. Yeah, I will. I will kind of operate under the assumption that that is what we will be saying at the end of the season. Yeah. That's as far as I'm willing to go now. But right, you think, right. As Brady Morningstar. Hell yeah. <laughs> Morningstar. Gosh, that's so good. That's so good. Anyway, you, sorry. Continue. You think of most of the, most of these guys, not necessarily as much Aldridge, but they're all right. Defensive guys first. Mm-hmm. Who kind of turned into. You know, obviously serviceable weapons offensively. Mm-hmm. But he's on a whole different level. Oh, right. Do you know that Joel Embiid was a Kansas Jayhawk? That's right. <laughs> yeah, see, I just don't even... Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> he had that, yeah, you just... Yeah. 
So yes, in terms of college production and the stats, he's got the the opportunity to blow them all out of the water for a single season, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's probably right. He's at least the 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 best combination of. It's a good point. He's definitely he's got a different bag than most Kansas bigs have. But perhaps the most important part is that all of Kansas's best teams, all yes. of them, have a traditional big at the center of it. Yes. And this is a traditional big that will put more pressure on an offense, or excuse me, on a defense than any other traditional big that can that Bill Self has had in in his time as the Kansas head coach. And when you add him to what that team already has and a point guard like Dewan Harris, then uh, it starts to to come into focus pretty quickly. Now, here's the interesting part about this team. We'll get into this more with preseason predictions and previews and stuff. Who's the other guy, right? It was always, you have the guard in the big is Dewan Harris, that guy. Is Dewan Harris going to start scoring 14, 15 points a game? Uh, I, I'll pass on that one chief. Cause I am interested in that, that part of this. Your second leading returning scorer is KJ Adams. Mm-hmm. Also, how does this work with with those two guys in the front court together? Neither of whom can real can really stretch the floor. Size wise, I mean Adams was an under he's six seven, mm-hmm. right? They were playing incredibly small last season, but then you're looking at this. I mean, Dewan Harris averaged nine points. So the answer to the question is that somebody coming from high school or also coming from the transfer portal is going to be is is more than likely going to be the answer. Right. It's either going to be El Marco Jackson, the top twenty point guard, five star coming into the fold, Chris Johnson, another f- top fifty guy from Montverde in Florida, uh, and then and then right the other kind of you know you've got two other top one ten recruits, but. I'm guessing that Jamari McDowell is not going to be the guy. Um, but the other the other shout is Arterio Morris coming from Texas. And sure, let's throw Nick Timberlake in yeah. there too. And, and but that's not what Nick Timberlake does. Right? No. Nick Timberlake is going to be a very important part of this team. He's just not point guard facilitator guy. No, but you didn't say you didn't say point guard facilitator guy. You said like that's not always what it is. Right. Cause that's Jay, an right, incorrect Jaylen thing Wilson, to say. Right. Jalen Wilson has kind of, it hasn't been point guard since Devonte Graham. Oh, oh, right. Cause that, right. 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 The, the, uh, the, Abaji. I mean, it was perimeter galore and David McCormick. That's yes. what that, that's right. what that team was. Abaji and Wilson have kind of turned this on its head by being the best two players on the last two Kansas teams. Right. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. You're right, though, that somebody on the perimeter. And I would I would like for it to be a perimeter guy so that Dewan Harris can just kind of keep yes. being the guy that he is. Right, right. That, and again, we, we did this last season, and then Jalen Wilson did Jalen Wilson things, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. it was very clear this wasn't an issue. Mm-hmm. However, the difference with this team is that player is not currently on the roster. I do feel pretty confident about that, unless it's Dewan Harris. Like you said, what right? that 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 next best player on the team that can win a title 
or that next best perimeter player on the team that is winning a title is not on the team right now? No, that whoever, if somebody is going to be kind of continue the Abaji Wilson mm. legacy, whether that's a point guard, whether that's a wing, uh-huh. that player was not, sorry, was not on last year's roster. Oh, uh, okay. I, yes. I misspoke, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It was okay. Can Jalen Wilson do this? But also, you knew what. It wasn't surprising that Jalen Wilson became what he did, right? Became what he was. Because we had seen Jalen Wilson play really well for Kansas. Jalen Wilson had spent multiple seasons in that program. That is the one hesitation I have with this team and automatically making them number one is you're still relying an awful lot on a lot of pieces that haven't done this in a Jayhawk uniform, which generally hasn't been a problem. And yes, you do have returning pieces. But there's nobody you're looking at going, that's the next guy. Can he do it? We got that wrong with Wilson last season. And I'm going to give Bill Self the benefit of the doubt, at least to a certain extent, because he's obviously done this multiple times now. But that's the one other thing I was thinking about is, okay, right. You've got your, now you've got your foundational piece at the center position, the way that Bill Self wants this. Who is the, the all-American caliber on the perimeter? The all-American caliber part. And the other part of it is that when was the last time Kansas's best player was a transfer? Was a guy that didn't play you know, wear Kansas jersey the year before, because that's what we're looking at this year. Yes, oh, unless it's Dewan Harris, and if it's Dewan Harris, then things things have either gone really right or really wrong. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not, like they're not they're not just good. <laughs> they're either going to be absolutely elite or right. bad. Right, right. If Dewan Harris is the best player on the team last year, next year, but right, you know, two years ago it was Agbaji, the twenty one team. I mean, we could go back for for maybe ever. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I. I mean, Marcus Garrett probably gets the nod, at least yeah. the most impactful. But Agbaji was probably the most talented two three years ago, as well. Um, that twenty team was Devon Dotson. That was a guy that had been there the year before. Uh, Yudoka Azubuki, of course, as well. That that team that was probably the best team in the country in the tournament mm-hmm. we didn't get to see. Um, yeah, then you go back. You're looking at you know. Devon Dotson again, Diedrich Lawson, Marcus Garrett, all of guys that have been there before. Well, that's not – is that true? Was that Diedrich's only year at Kansas? Maybe. It was. So there you go. That might be the answer. Diedrich Lawson on that 2019 team, that wasn't very good. I was going to say, that team just – yeah, listen up. I might, have ju- I might have just walked into my – I might have just walked into the point I was trying to make. I mean, that team went 26 and 10 was 17th at Kempom. Man, I'm so tired of Kansas. I just said that team that wasn't very good. Right. 26 and 10 and top 20 at Kempom. I was about to say, uh, how did that? Yeah, I didn't. Cause, yeah, they lost to Auburn. The, they lost to an Auburn team that went to the final four in the second round. As right. That seed. was the four, five, four, five game. Yep. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. So, right. A national title caliber team, the Kansas you, you have come to expect has never been built around a transfer like this. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Now, also, the transfer that's coming in is not Dietrich Lawson. <laughs> right. It's true. Dietrich Lawson finished eighth in Kim Palm Player of the Year that year. Did he really? He did. Good for him. I don't change my stance on that statement. Good for him, though. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> over under seven and a half at Kim Palm Player of the Year, Hunter Dickinson next oh, year. Over. Right? It's got to be. He's got to be like top three, right? 
three, I, two and a half is probably the better over under. I would be stunned if he's not a first team All American. Stunned. What do we think? Are we thinking like twenty and eleven? Yeah, it's got to be something like that, right? Yeah, he was not in the top ten this year, by the way, which is not super surprising. But yeah. like, also, let's see is there is there is there player of the game rankings? Is that a thing? Are there player of the game rankings? I don't think so. I think there are somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere is the the operative yeah. word there. The point being, he's going to get a lot more attention this season. Agreed. I'm just sad Agreed. he's not in the Big East. Darius McGee was top 10 in Ken Palm Player of the Year standings last year. That doesn't year. shock me. I'm in. I'm in. But yes, he's going to be on a lot of radars early and certainly will not have to do anything to, 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 to get on radars. He will he will be right there as a first-team All-American preseason. Might even be the preseason National Player of the Year. <laughs> I mean, if they're going to be the best, it's too team early in the to be having that conversation. Is it too early to be having that conversation? Who's on the short list? I suppose we're still waiting on Zach Eady, right? There's no Z- yeah. I, I guess that's a fair point. So if Eady comes back, it's going to be Eady. There or not? Yeah, yeah. We'll have to wait and see. For I guess we can't really have that until the NBA draft decisions are made, right? Yeah, you're probably right. But if Zach Eady's come gone, back to college basketball, please. If Eady's please. gone, yeah, because I mean, you're talking about. There's yeah, no right, Trey so Jackson you're... Davis, like the other guys high on the list, right here. The the, the top, the tops. I mean, maybe Jalen Pickett. Is he gone? Yes. Is he done? Yes. Okay. So the the top the top eight is Tabellus back next year. He was a junior last year. I think he declared for the draft, didn't he? Hmm. So with that being said, the top nine of the Kenbaum Player of the Year standings: Zach Eady, Jaime Hawkes. Trace Jackson Davis, Brandon Miller, Drew Timmy, Jalen Wilson, Adama Sanogo, Jalen Pickett, Azalez Tabellas. Oh, hey, the game MVP leaders were right there in front of my face. Oh, Here we go. Here you go. Uh, Zach Eady won, sure. Yep. Darius McGee and Trace Jackson Davis, second. Okay. Little fourth, fourth place, Drew Pember. I'm in. Nice. UNC nice. Asheville. Tavion Kenzie. Marshall, I'm in. Also tied with Jaime Jaquez, Tabellis, and Brandon Miller. And then nine was Acemus. Shouts mm-hmm. to Texas. Acemus might be a first-team All-American next year. Yeah, and Tabellis did declare for the draft, and it sounds like he's staying in. Is Acemus a, is Acemus a, first, a preseason first-team All-American next year? Acemus? Yeah. Probably. He he's tied with Adama Sanogo and Brandon Podzemski. From Santa Clara for 15 game MVPs last year. I mean, who 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 in the country is getting more getting more attention preseason than Max Aismas at Texas? Don't mess with Texas. Yeah, I, I, is Tyler Kolick? I mean, shoot, that's a good one. I'm just trying to th- trying to think of the Dewan Harris. Right, the the top players on the top, you know, the preseason top teams. Okay, so maybe somebody from Duke. Oh, oh, oh. The Kentucky guys? Filipowski. Filipowski. That's a good shot. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be hard to be a first-team All-American big next year. <laughs> Especially if Edie comes back. Jeez. I mean, I suppose that those are the three, right? That's like the that's yeah. the upper echelon. Filipowski, Dickinson, yeah. and Edie. Yeah. 
Right, because you, cause you're talking, it seems like the, you know, the teams that, at least as of now, you're talking Kansas, you're talking Duke, you're talking UConn, although I don't know who, we got to see what the NBA draft decisions there and how that all kind of plays mm-hmm. out in terms of all Americans. Trivia time. Who is the highest ranked recruit? Who is the only 1,000, like 1.000 recruit in Duke history? Jabari Parker. That's incorrect. Hmm. You know who's third? Josh McRoberts. That's ah. laugh out loud funny. But who's first? There's only been one with a 1.0 rank. Is this a recent player? Yes. Lively and Derek Whitehead are four and five, by the way. Just for, okay. just for fun. Paolo was eight. Barrett? That's correct. RJ Barrett is the all-time... The number one recruit in Duke history at two four seven at least. Yeah, because you're talking about those teams. Okay, I mean, you're not picking somebody from Michigan State, even though they've got a a really good roster on paper. Mm-hmm. Kentucky has five five stars. They have a five. Wait, who are you picking? They have a from five Kentucky? person recruiting class, and all five of them five, five stars. stars. Yeah, right. Kentucky's going to be good, but which which one of those one players are you saying that's the? Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Can will you explain to me why a guy like Reed Shepard, who is the 40th ranked player in this class and going to Kentucky, why, like, why are you, like, I'm not choosing Kentucky. If, if Justin Edwards, Aaron Bradshaw, DJ Wagner, and Robert Dillingham are also choosing Kentucky. I mean, I suppose there's a bet on yourself thing there and he's from Kentucky. So maybe that's part of it, but like that dude's not going to play. Like at best, you're like a, like you're like a Tyler Hero, but you you only get to play 16 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. At best. Anyways, I, I, like I, if well, if I, my goal was to get to the NBA, I just that wouldn't be my decision. And I would almost flip that. I mean, I would probably agree with you. I would also say that there are. I don't know if I'm one of these people. There are people, plenty of them, right? who believe that John Calipari is the best in the country preparing you for NBA success. Sure, but if you don't get to play, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and that, that, that there's value in the reputation of being at Kentucky even if you don't have a big role. That's sure, but say. if sure, but if you're at a really prestigious high school but you fail all your classes, it doesn't matter how that you went to the high school. Sure, I'm not saying I agree with it. You asked why, and I'm saying that might be why. And also, right, I mean, if you're from Kentucky, that's you either want to go there or Louisville, right? Probably. Right. Louisville, also a top five recruiting class yes. in 2023. And just got themselves a nice transfer, speaking of USC, yeah. Trey White official. Yeah, saw that. Yeah, that's fine. I just, it just, like, that guy is never, like, there are going to be four guys next year that are higher on the totem pole than him if he comes back. Like they will find four recruits that are more that are more highly anticipated than the return of Reed Shepard. That's the, that's just the point. That's I, 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 I stopped playing high school soccer you. because I made it very it became very clear that all the guys coming from middle school, when I even when I was already in high school, they were all already better than I was. So I was never going to get to play. Granted, I wasn't the number forty recruit <laughs> in the class of twenty sixteen soccer. Granted. Middle school rankings. Yeah, you know, 
is what it is. Me and the really huge football player that was going to Wofford to play college football, he and I had a blast on the bench that year. <laughs> I had freshmen. I, I I had freshmen turning heads when I was when I when I was saying what's up to the senior middle linebacker, little chunky Josh. You know, like five five at the time. I'm not that much taller now, but I was taller than five five. I'm taller than five five now, but. It was, but me, me and my boy Dylan, we were, uh, we were boys by the end, and it was the la- most, it was the, it was the most laugh out loud friendship in, in our high school that year, one hundred percent. Anywho, shouts to Reed Shepard. I hope he has a great time at Kansas. I mean, sorry, Kentucky. Man, he might, he might fight me for making that mistake. Um, I, I hope, I hope you like crack into the starting lineup and you play twenty four minutes a game. If he, I really if he started to come, we might have to do a Reed Shepard report. I might I might have to apologize publicly to Reed Shepard. That's correct. That's correct. All right, you got anything else on Hunter Dickinson? Now that we've strayed all the way to our Kansas recruiting class, Kentucky. Yes. Dang it! We'll have more time to kind of dive into the nuts and bolts of this roster. Mm-hmm. I have questions still. That's all I'll say. Of the Kansas roster, yeah, that's fair. Not necessarily doubts, just questions. My my biggest my biggest beef, and we we'll, we can end on this. Do you know? So you it would be fair to say that Hunter Dickinson has been the most important player on Kansas's team the last two seasons, Michigan. right? Because the Michigan, Michigan, Jesus, yes. Michigan, yes, last two seasons. His freshman year, there was there was Franz Wagner's all over the places. There was Isaiah Livers all over the places. There were there he, were guys. He there were might dudes. have been. But yes, I agree with your general assessment. That one is kind he of... He did lead the team in scoring that year, but I think that even Hunter Dickinson will tell you that that was not his basketball team. Yes. This is the point I'm getting to. Do you know... Do you know Michigan's record the last two seasons combined? I would say between four and eight games over 500. You would be correct. 37 and 31 in the last two years. Hunter Dickinson has been very good. Yep. And he's been given very high-rated recruits both years. Now, granted, those guys not being great is not necessarily his fault. Not his fault. Not just not necessarily. That's not his fault. All I'm saying is that there's a ton of brouhaha over this guy who played on two mediocre basketball teams as the best team on that team. That's all I'm saying. And that's and and there are extenuating circumstances that don't necessarily have to do with him. All I'm saying is that sometimes if you're expecting Hunter Dickinson to come in and and and, may, and he's probably not. But if Hunter Dickinson needs to be the center of your winning culture, I'm not a huge fan of that. So as long as somebody else is doing it, if it's Dewan Harris that kind of feels like the heartbeat of this basketball KJ team, KJ Adams is a high KJ Adams, guy. yeah. Whoever it is, I just uh, like I don't think it can be Hunter Dickinson. It's a little bit yeah. like the Kawhi Leonard is a culture enhancer, not a culture creator. Mm-hmm. Because in San Antonio, he was part of this Tim Duncan, Tony yep. Parker, Monte Ginobili, Pop, yep. Cog, and he came into a place where Kyle Lowry was the heartbeat of a Toronto team, and Correct. really just that franchise was. They had an identity already, the yep. We the North thing, and he just yep. kind of enhanced it. And 
I think that's a big reason why. I mean, apart with him and Paul George not being able to stay on the freaking basketball floor, mm-hmm. the other part is that Kawhi Leonard doesn't yeah. have any interest in establishing a mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. And you can say plenty about Hunter Dickinson as a college basketball player. He does. He spends a lot of time talking crap and not, and then that's not that's not exactly creating culture. Anyways, that's all. That's all I'll say. I just think that's interesting, and it's totally to his credit that his recruitment became as big of a deal as it is. He played the system like a fiddle, and that's totally his prerogative. And he is probably a very rich man now because uh, as a result. So uh, good for him. That's not to say that he doesn't that he doesn't deserve that, but I just think it's interesting um, that that it's not like he's going like, there's a reason that you leave a team. <laughs> there's a reason that you leave a program and um, Michigan being incredibly mediocre the last two seasons was, was part of that reason. And that's where going to Kansas makes a lot of sense because I think so too. You're ba- right. You, you, if anybody can figure out it's Bill Self. Sure. Cause all those concerns are 100% valid. You're talking about some other places you know, Kentucky's had their issues, obviously. Kyle Neptune is still – Villanova has a great culture. Kyle Neptune is still trying to kind of figure out how to turn that into his and, right, mm. adjust it to his his personality. So you've got a little bit of concern there. Ed Cooley is trying to completely rebuild Georgetown, and I saw some people make this point of, is, is Hunter Dickinson the guy you want to be rebuilding and kind of setting your culture around year one mm. for the reasons you just laid out? Kansas is just a well-oiled machine where there seems to be – it's hard to kind of mess it up with what they've got going. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense for that exact reason from that standpoint. There you go. I've just realized it looks like I'm sitting in the dark because it's cloudy outside. When I sat down, it was light outside, and the natural light coming in was more than enough. Say, and now big, it looks yeah, like I'm sitting in a dungeon. You're a big being, believer in natural with light my screen, With my know. screen only being lit. By with my face only being lit by my computer screen. I'm not in a dungeon. It's actually 9.42 in the morning. It doesn't look like it, but it is. And um, I believe that's all I have for you. You got anything else? No. Cool. We'll be back next week, next Monday, in fact, for another episode of the Jays Race Podcast. Until then, we'll meet back here at that point. Until then, thank you. So much for listening to this edition of the Jays Today's podcast. Please subscribe to the pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays Today's Pod, YouTube, vertical content, and all types of forms, TikToks, YouTube shorts, all that fun stuff. We'll be back on Monday in a week's time. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays Today's podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we will see you 